Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Happy New Year. What a great day it is. And I have the highest hopes for this year. I'm believing that God is going to give us such a fantastic year in so many different ways that it's going to cause the previous years to pale in comparison. A lot of the drag and the hurt and the pain and the things that we've gone through over the last last few years, they're going to be a distant memory as we see God do great things in our world, in our city, in our lives, in our families. I'm so excited about 2023, about what God's going to do right here at Summit Church and Vision Sunday's coming up in just a few weeks. And I don't want you to miss it because God's got a lot of things he wants us to be a part of this year at Summit Church. And I want you to engage with that and be a part of that. It's going to bless your life. So I'm just so excited to be with you this morning. I'm so glad that you've all joined us on this online-only experience. And man, I just want you to gauge with this word because I have a word for you that I think is very important. For the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a series called The Most Important Thing. And I think when we start the year, we need to always start it strong. We need to start it right. It's like when a year ends and another year begins, it's a transition point where God can help us to recalibrate our thinking, to reprioritize our lives, for us to just kind of check ourselves and say, God, where am I in the scheme of things? And how can I more readily and and in a better way connect with you and become more of who you want me to be? I think these are great opportunities for us. And so we want to take advantage of that right now. So as we as we talk about this this morning, I want you to be contemplative. I want you to take notes. I want you to think about what I'm saying. And I want you to really question yourself. I don't want you just to hear a message and say, well, that was a good thought. That was a good thought. I want you to really think about it. Let the word get in you and begin to ask yourself some questions about where your life is going and about what you're want, you want your life to be about and how is it connected to the overarching purpose of God for you. It's going to be a great year. I'm so excited. So today I want to talk to you around this subject, the best choice. So our series is the the most important thing, but today I want to talk to you around the idea, the best choice. So I have two texts this morning, and, and the first is the text for the series, and it's Mark chapter 12, Verse 30. Would you read it with me? It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that goes on to say, Love your neighbor as yourself. So we say it this way here at Summit Love God, love people. That is the most important thing. Let's read our text for the message today, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. I'm reading the New New International Version. Would you read along with me? Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Mary was distracted. Everybody read that again. But, excuse me, but Martha was distracted. Read it again. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, listen to what he says, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Father, we thank you for your word today. I ask you to bless it. I ask you to touch it. I ask you to anoint it. Use it to minister to us so that you can use us to minister to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we know what the scripture is about when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbors yourself. A lawyer was coming to him, was trying to trip him up. And Jesus was giving an example and answered. Even the lawyer said, you have answered so well. But Jesus really drew everybody's attention to what is most important. And that is that we love God. That we love God. And we understand that loving God is indicative indicated by the fact that we obey God. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So if you love God, you're following him, you're obeying him. But he said the second commandment is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's important that we understand that when we truly love God, it expresses that love for God expresses itself through us by love for others. That, That love for others, that care, that compassion, that desire to to do something for someone else. Jesus literally says, this is the most important thing. He, He says, there's nothing greater, nothing more important, nothing you should be doing that is more important, nothing you should be involved in that is more important, nothing that should be important to you that is more important than this. He's saying, your family's not as important as this. He's saying your job is not important as this. Your career is not important as this. All the activities and ongoing things that you're involved in are not important as this. The social clubs, the causes you're a part of, all of this not as important as this most important thing. Love God, love people. He said we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's saying to us here, with your whole self, Hold nothing back. Don't hold in reserve some for yourself or don't don't hold back everything from God. But with your mind, worship God and love God. With your heart, worship God and love God. With your physical body, worship God and love God. With your finances, worship God and love God. With your relationships, worship God, love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the most important thing. You and I know what a worldview is. A worldview is the way we see the world. It's the way we look at the reality of the world. It's the filter through which we see it. Hopefully, all of us as believers are looking at the world or our worldview through the lens of a a bibliocentric view, meaning we look at the world through the Bible. We look at the world through our relationship with Jesus. We're not not looking at our relationship with Jesus through a lens of the world. We're looking at 
our world through the lens of our relationship with him. So what that means then is this, as I approach the world and as I make decisions for my life and as I make decisions for my family and as I prioritize here at the beginning of the year before this year even gets started, I want to I be seeing all that, thinking about all that, uh, operating and functioning in all of that through the lens of God first, God center, what God wants is most important. God is in charge. I think we should think this whole year, 2023, let's get rid of this feeling and, and attitude of entitlement and let's have an attitude of ownership of the kingdom and, and the attitude of the kingdom. Here's what I mean by that. The Bible's very clear. Jesus doesn't owe us anything. Jesus owns us. <laughs> I know that sounds like a harsh statement, but it's the truth. The Bible said we were bought with a price and, 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 and therefore we... We give ourselves wholly to the work of the Lord. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, we did so. We could believe on him because of the sacrifice he made, the penalty he paid. Salvation may have been free to us, but it was very costly to him. And we need to remember that. We need to understand that. The price that was paid for us was a precious price. So we are not our own. We have made a commitment as we believe in him to make him Savior, but Lord also of our lives. That means he's in charge. That means what God wants is what we want. And you know, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that his thoughts are far above ours. His ways are far above ours. So that means that he knows better than we do. He's, he's greater than we are. So the best thing we could do is submit our lives to him and say, God, make my life what you will. And the way I do that, honestly, is just to keep the most important things the most important things. And what is the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is our whole frame of work of which we believe. Our beliefs, our, our, our faith, our lives, our connection to our Father, our relationship with Jesus, all of this is is what we read and study in the Bible, the pro what the prophets said, what the law says, and what, what Jesus, what God says. The law, the prophets, all of it wrapped up in this one thing, this most important thing, to love God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself. Paul goes as far as to say in Romans chapter 13, he says that that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength covers like the first five commandments. And then love your neighbor as yourself covers the last five. The, literally the ten principles that God gave us to live our lives by or to create a moral structure through which we, can, we conduct our lives. He did that. Listen, he did that to give us a framework through which to live but it's all encapsulated by two thoughts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as we go through this series and as we start this year, I want you to be thinking, does my life reflect those two thoughts? Is my life about the most important thing? Or have I allowed my life to be affected by circumstances, situations, opportunities, obstacles, people, relationships, money, things? Have I allowed any of that 
to begin to distract me from the most important thing. The thing that's important for us to remember, it's not just bad things or temptations or sins or fears or doubts that can distract us. Absolutely, those things are negative and bad and horrible for our lives and can affect us spiritually. But it's not just those things that keep us from being on that path of priority, that path of what is most important to God. Sometimes it's good things, things that don't necessarily harm us or things that aren't necessarily a hindrance to us, things that aren't sinful or causing us to fall into sin. Sometimes it's really good things, but we place them over that most important thing and they become an idol and then they become a thing that distracts us. So what we need to do is really just take a step back. And I want to encourage you, this is an important thing, take a step back. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in just a few minutes, but it's something I want to start the year with. I want you to hear me say it as your, as your pastor. Listen to me. Take a step back. I see people trying to lead their families. I see people trying to lead in their career, people trying to do significant things with their life, people just trying to survive, to thrive, to make it, whatever you want to call it. And it's funny to me how we as people want all those good things to happen in our lives and we'll just run and we'll go and we'll do the things we think are necessary, activity after activity, work after work, read this book, read that book, you know, watch this show, watch that show, make this money, do that thing. We're just going and going and going. But it's amazing to me, even among leaders, how many of us will read and watch and listen and do all this stuff. But how often do we actually stop, take a step back and contemplate? Like the Bible calls that meditate. Now, I want you to understand, when we talk about meditation from a biblical standpoint, we're not talking about Eastern, you know, Eastern um, uh, meditation as we would know it in our modern culture today. We're, we're, we're talking about, the Bible talks about meditation is get, look, looking, thinking on the Word of God and just ruminating over it on and on and on in our minds and in our hearts, but taking the time to stop and actually think. Taking the time to stop for a few minutes every day, just look out into the distance and just think. I mean, we live, we live in West Texas, y'all. I mean, come on, you could, you could sit down, look out onto the horizon for days. I mean, please, we have the best sunrises and sunsets. Take an opportunity to stop for a minute before you start this year. Contemplate your life and ask some really serious questions. And here's why. Not because you're trying to be super spiritual, although it's a great thing to do. It's because you're trying to calibrate or recalibrate your thinking, your priorities, your life, your purpose. Am I really going in a direction that's going to benefit the kingdom of God? Am I really going in a direction that's going to bless my family and myself and my friends and my neighbors? Am I really going in a direction that's going to culminate in the purpose of God being fulfilled in my life? Because that is the most important thing. You're going to hear me say this so many times that you're going to say, I wish you would stop saying that. I want you to say it with me right now. Say it with me. The most important thing. Because we just forget. I mean, I'm telling you, it takes 30 days and we already forget the most important thing. So it's important that we, let's set the stage in our lives for, for this. So take a step back and think. You know, this text that we read here in Luke 
about Mary and Martha. A lot of times we will take this text and we'll contrast Martha's service to Mary's worship and we make it all about that. And I think, I think that that's a good thing to teach on. I think it really is. It's important to teach on that. But there's more to this scripture than just the contrast between service and worship. We know we need to serve in our lives. We know we need to worship. We know we need to keep those in their proper place. Worship is first, service is second. As a matter of fact, I would say to you that service comes out of worship. Because what did Jesus say the most important thing is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is that? That's worship. Then he said, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. What is that? That's service. So we have to remember we want to serve, we want to worship, but our motives need to be right and our, our priorities need to be right in this. Sometimes when we serve before we worship, then our service is merely just rote activity and exercise and it really means nothing and it really comes, it becomes more about the recognition of service than it does about my heart is to serve. But when we worship, and when we worship second, we allow other things to get in front of worship, then worship becomes stale, and it becomes dead, and it has no life. And so we have to keep those in proper perspective. Worship God, and out of the worship, the love, the passion, the the, the adoration that we have for God, out of that, and His anointing on our life because of that, an expression of service comes. So there is this discussion to have about service contrasted to worship. But I believe this passage of Scripture is about one word. And I want to talk to you about that word right now. And then we're going to talk about this idea about the best choice. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I think this passage of Scripture is about one very significant word. One very significant word, and it's a word that affects us probably more significantly than any other word in our culture right now. And I want to say this not just for people in our culture, but especially Christians in our culture. This word is so involved in our lives right now that we, we, have, we don't even see it. It's covered up in our lives. We've become deceived by it. Uh, we've even become delusional about it. And we don't even understand that it's happening to us anymore. It's become such a part of our life that we have been... We have been refocused in a way that our life has become about things that are not the most important thing. The word in this passage of Scripture that is so important and is what this text is really all about is the word distracted. That's the word. 
I want you to look at this passage of scripture and look at what's happening here. Jesus had been sending the 70 out and they had been, the disciples had been going out, they'd been preaching, they'd been teaching, they'd been doing miracles and Jesus had been doing all these miracles himself and Mary, he was coming to their town and excuse me, Martha, the consummate host said, hey, come to our house, we'll give you some food, we'll let you relax and rest and so he comes to the house. And, 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 and so what Martha's doing? Well, Martha's thinking about what needs to be done. Martha's thinking about what, according to the scripture, had to be taken care of. And you know, I think that there's a lot of things in life that we think have to be done. And, and we, we never get our priorities straight because we constantly are connected to the urgent things that we think have to be done. But it depends on what reference or frame of reference you have about what has to be done. Because Mary, she decides the only thing that's important is to sit down at Jesus' feet and listen to him. So Jesus is sitting in their house. There are people gathered around. He's talking. Mary is just sitting there listening, taking in every word, listening to everything he says, being connected to him in every way that she can because she sees it. She knows it. She realizes there's something special going on here. I want to be a part of every moment. Martha is up taking care of business. She's up doing things, getting things straightened up, getting meals prepared, doing all the things that a good host would do, but she's missing the fact that that's not important. Why does Martha think all those things have to be done? Because she's thinking about the home. She's thinking about other people. She's thinking about people, what are people going to think? And I've got to be a good host. And how does this make me look? And how does this make me feel? And how do I know that's what was going through Martha's head? Because when Martha came to Jesus and said, would you tell Mary to get up and help me? Jesus said, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. He, in essence, was saying to her, what you're doing is absolutely not important. You're worried about it. You're stirred up about it. You're concerned about it. You've got it in your mind that this has to be done. You can't just sit down and worship at my feet. You can't just sit down and listen to the very important words that I'm saying because you're so filled with this has to be done and that has to be done and everything has to be in its place and we have to strive for this perfection and we've got to get everything organized and everything's got to be this way and and I'm not saying that anything is wrong with serving. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with making a good home or being a good host or taking care of business. All those things have to be done. But they are not, listen to me, more important than the one thing. What is the best choice here? Well, if your heart is to worry about what people think, if your heart is to be concerned about how things look, if your, 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 your worldview is all about approval of people and opinions and culture and all of that, then yeah, everything's got to be done. And we've got to keep up with the Joneses and we've got to make sure that our kids are getting to do what their kids are doing. And we've got to make sure we do this and do that and move here and move there and be there and be this. Listen to me. If those are the things that are concerning you more than anything else, then you have to understand your view is skewed and you are distracted. But if your concern is Jesus and him being the most important thing, then what the most important thing to you is, the best choice for you is sit at his feet. The best choice for you is to worship his name. The best choice for you is to seek his face. So do you see what's happening here? 
Do you see that Mary has chosen the good thing? Now, how do we know what's the right choice to make? Because Jesus qualifies it. See, Jesus is the standard. The world is not the standard. People's opinions are not the standard. Your feelings are not the standard. The, 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 the necessity you have for perfection is not the standard. The standard is Jesus. What does Jesus want? Who is Jesus? What does Jesus do? How does Jesus affect you? Is he the center of your existence? And he says to Martha, look, you're worried and concerned about many things. But you need to understand there's only a few things that are important. And listen to what Jesus says. He says there's only a few things that are important. And then he hones it down to one thing. There's only one thing that's really important. And here's what he says. Mary chose it. I mean, listen to what he said. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what was he saying? He was saying the only one thing that is absolutely of primary importance, it is the preeminent action, function, operation of the believer is to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And worship means to corporately worship to privately worship, that your life would live out as worship to God, that as you approach anything in life, your career, your finances, your family, your friendships, your activities, all of that would be filtered through the center of Christ, that God is the most important, that obeying God is the most important, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. Mary is clearly enamored with, with Jesus. He, she is clearly in awe of him. Isn't it interesting how we can be believers in Christ, have made a decision to follow him. He has made an eternal change in our lives, yet we find ourselves allowing distraction to keep us from that awe and wonder and love and passion and adoration towards God, that becomes secondary. That becomes something we'll do when we get to it. That becomes, why? Because we're distracted. We're distracted by the things we think have to happen. We're distracted by the things that people expect from us. We're distracted by the things everybody else is doing. We're distracted by life itself and the, and the function of it. We're, we're distracted by our own inner thoughts and inner critic. And, and, and we're distracted by doubts and fears. And we're distracted by sins and temptations. And we're distracted by failures and abdications. And we're, 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 we're just distracted. We're distracted by our entertainment. We're distracted by our work. We're distracted by all of these things. And here's what's amazing about the economy of God if we would just stop, take a step back and say, what is the most important thing? And then align our lives with the most important thing. Then here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. All those other things take on a whole new view. We have peace. We have contentment. We have satisfaction. We have prosperity. We have success. We have significance. We have harmony. We have unity. We have we have power and passion. We have meaning and purpose. Come on. Do you hear the difference between all of those things of distraction and then the things of importance and priority? <laughs> 
It's not just about making a priority list. It's about saying, what's the most important thing in choosing that? And then let everything else fall under that. So here's what I want to do today, just for the next few minutes. I want to give you the tools to know how to make the best choice. And so let's do that right now. Here are the steps, three steps to making the best choice. You know, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember when I was coming up, there were these commercials for uh, uh, soda pop. That's what we call it. We call it pop, where I came from. I think my parents are from California, so I think they called it pop there. Everybody here calls it Coke. Well, Coke is a brand, y'all. It's not the whole thing. So some of you call it soda, whatever. Uh, but but uh, my family calls it Dr. Pepper because that's all we drink. <laughs> but I remember there were these commercials that came out, and I think it was, I want to say it was Pepsi. I can't remember who the brand was, but... They would set two bottles on the, 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 the deal, and they had what they called a taste test. And they would set a bottle of another brand of soda, and then they would set the, their brand down, and they would blindfold people, and they did what they called a taste test. And then people would drink that drink, and they would decide which one was the better. Now, obviously, it was a trick because, you know, no company is going to say, let's show the ones where they chose the other competitor. They're not going to do that. So every time they chose the drink that they were advertising, huh, that's interesting. But the truth is, I think in a lot of ways, that's the way we make choices. That's the way we make choices. And so the first step to making a best choice is to take the choice challenge. But here's the problem. I think that what we do is we think all choices are equal and we pick whichever one tastes best to us at the time. Now, I want you to think about that when it comes to the important choices and decisions of your life. And here's how I want you to think about that. When you think about the things that are actually happening in your life, not the things you want to be happening, but the things that are actually happening in your life, I want you to think about it. Are they really important? Like on the scale of what we've talked about so far, are they really important? I think what we are caught up in is we're caught up in a passion for the present. That we're not thinking about the future. We're not thinking about where we're going. We're not thinking about consequences. We're not thinking about next generation. Because we're so busy or there's so much going on or so much coming at us that we fail to realize we're just taking a taste test. And whatever tastes best at that moment is what we choose to do. So if this is what tastes best to me right now because that's what tastes best to all my friends, then that's what I do. I choose that. Why? Because it tastes the best at the time. Without the consideration of where is this taking me, is it good for me, is it a part of what is most important, is it going to distract me from what's most important, and is it really the right thing to do? Or does it just taste good right now? I don't know about you, but there are times that when I work out that water's the only thing that refreshes me or Gatorade or some kind of drink like that that just refreshes me when I've just run a run or something like that. And it's just the thing that tastes good at the time. But I don't always drink those things. Like, I'm not going to go out and, and, and always drink the same drink because it's the right drink to drink at that time. No, 
I, 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 a lot of times will make a choice on what tastes best at the moment. And we've, we've got to be careful because in life, there are consequences to actions. In life, choices have consequences. Adults, listen to me. Parents, listen to me. Grandparents, listen. Uncles, aunts, listen. You tell your children this all the time. And, and you need to understand, it's far more weighty in your life and in your world and affects not only you, but it affects them as well because the choices you make. So we need to take the choice challenge. That's step number one. Is there a right and wrong choice? This is the choice challenge. We have to ask this question. We have to contemplate it. Are there right and wrong choices? Is there a choice that is of higher importance? And if there is, here's the big question. Here's the big challenge of choice right here. Are you ready? Are we willing to challenge the choices we make? If we're in that mode of operating under what tastes the best, I'm going to make the choice of what tastes the best at the moment. I'm going to do the taste test, and I'm going to have these two options. I'm not going to consider that there are more important choices. I'm not going to consider that there are things that matter more. I'm not going to consider that we've got a purpose, and we've got a reason for being, and God's will is important. I'm just going to do what needs to be done and fill my life up with the things that seem to be right right now. We have to ask this question, are we willing to take the choice challenge and step back and challenge our own choices? Are we willing to say, are the choices that I'm making about my life, about the flow of my life, about my schedule, about the things that I'm doing, about the things that I allow my kids to do that, that need to be changed? Are they of real importance? Are they really the right choices to make? So the second thing is, the second step is this, go ahead and challenge the choices you're making. I want to encourage you to do that right now. You should write some things down. After this message is over, take you a notebook and just start writing some things down. Start recalibrating yourself and thinking to yourself, am I living out and centered around the most important thing? And then am I allowing that to express itself through my life by further prioritizing my life? So challenge the choices you're making. How do I do that? Well, we have to realize that most choices are unnecessary. A lot of the things that Mary were doing I mean, Martha was doing in that scenario weren't important. She felt like they had to be done. But Jesus said, Mary, you're worried about, I mean, Martha, you're worried about all this stuff. But does it really have to be done? I would encourage you to ask yourself in your life how much of what you're doing actually has to be done. Here's a good question to ask. Here's a good question to ask. If you didn't do that thing, what would happen? And if you find that there would be nothing that would happen, no negative thing or no like real negative thing or no significant thing, then maybe it's not something you should even be doing to begin with. Maybe you're just filling your life up with a lot of meaningless things. So most choices are unnecessary. Every choice should be weighed against the best choice. In other words, as you're making choices, set them against the backdrop of the most important choice. And what is the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not just an ethereal idea. That's a practical functioning thing. Why? Because loving God means obeying God. And obeying God is the function or the practical thing that comes with the feelings and emotions of being passionately committed to God. The third thing is, understand this, as you're challenging the choices you're making, the rewards and consequences of each should be considered. 
sit down and really think about where's what does this gain? Is there godly gain in this? Is my family going to benefit from this? Is, are my relationships going to be better because of this? Is my life going to be f- further aligned with the purpose of God as a result of this? Or are there going to be negative consequences of kids being uh, having no direction, of my relationships being affected in a negative way, my, my marriage not being everything that it could be, so on and so forth. You can take these principles all the way through your life, finances, family, friendships, career, and you can apply them and see that choices are important and the things that we do need to be focused and centered around what is most important. And here's the biggest point about challenging the choices you're making in step two. That's this. Don't just go along with everybody else. Going with the flow, listen to me, leads to aimless living and results in mediocrity every time. Most of the time, if your life is going to be significant, if you're going to live your life in a way that has peace and prosperity and contentment and godly gain, if you're going to live your life where your family's going to be harmonious and in unity, it's going to be a life lived intentionally, and it's going to be based on and centered around what's most important. And if you just go along, then you're just doing what everyone else is doing, and that's not That's not those things I just said. You have to run against the current. You have to go against the current. And that's what makes it so hard to do the most important thing. So don't just go along. You don't want to end up in a pool of mediocrity. You want to be making the best choice you can that affects in the best ways your life. And the third and last thing is this. The best choice is the only real choice. But how do we choose it? So I'm going to give you just a couple of things here, a few things that'll help you know how to choose it. The first thing is keep the Sabbath and the spiritual disciplines. Listen, you know, as your pastor, I teach you this a lot, but it's important. You need to keep the Sabbath. Listen to me, you need to keep the Sabbath. What does that mean, keep the Sabbath, in our Christian experience? It means be in church. I want you to commit yourself that you're, this year, 2023, when the doors of the house are open, you're going to be in the house. If we're having normal worship experiences, you're going to be in the house. If we're having a special event, you're going to be in the house. Your kids are going to be in the house. If, if, you're, if, you're, you know, if we're doing something like 21 days of fasting and prayer, you're going to be involved. You're going to be committed to that. Why? Because it's not just so that we can build a good church or we can have activity in the church. No, these are principles that are spiritual that will help you stay aligned with the purpose of God for your life. See, the whole point is to stay in alignment with God and His will for your life. That's where all the contentment comes, the satisfaction comes, the purpose comes. That's where you get through trials and troubles and tribulations. That's how it happens. When you use the tools that God has given you, and one of those tools is the Sabbath. So I want to encourage you to keep the Sabbath. And here's what that means. It doesn't just mean go to church, but take a day every week where you just make everything stop. Yeah, but my kid, I don't care. Yeah, but yeah, but this and that, it doesn't matter. Listen, either we choose to have peace or not. We're crying out to God for peace, but then we do things in our life that disturb our peace. God's given us a way to have the rest we need. 
And it's where we go, God, I'm going to give this day to you because I trust you that you're going to take care of the rest of my life. You're going to take care of my kids. You're going to take care of my family. You're going to take care of my finances. You're going to take, but I'm going to stop for a day and I'm going to worship you. And then I'm going to relax and I'm going to rest and I'm going to encounter my family and we're going to love on each other and we're going to think and we're going to process and we're going to rest our minds and our hearts and our souls. And we're going to get good at our spiritual disciplines, prayer and study of the word and seeking the face of God and fasting and contemplating and solitude. And we're going to do the things that are necessary to build our soul up and strengthen our soul so that we stay aligned with the most important thing. Keep the Sabbath and do the spiritual disciplines. This is what God has called us to do. This is what the Bible says. So do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? If we do, let's obey His will and His ways. And what happens is the things that are best for us begin to manifest in our lives. The next thing is think about how you spend your time. Like actually give thought to it. Stop filling your calendar up with needless and meaningless things and think about what you're doing and is it centered around love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The next thing is learn to say yes to the best and then commit to it. In other words, things like Sabbath, things like worshiping God, things like uh, meaningful family time, things like creating community, things like growing in your faith, things like teaching and training your kids. All of this is important, but think about how we're spending it and then learn how to say yes to the best and then commit to that yes. And then the next thing falls in line with it. Learn how to say no nicely. Don't have to be mean. Don't have to be faithful. Don't have to be legalistic. Just say, you know what? This is what's purposeful in our life. This is what we're intentionally trying to accomplish as a family. This is what we know God wants for us. So, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have to say no to that. Unfortunately, we're going to have to say no to that. To your kids, when your kids... Listen, I heard somebody say the other day, you can't say no to your kids. Are you crazy? Listen, if you don't learn to say no to your kids, they're going to grow up not allowing no. And what's going to happen is they're going to be mad and angry and frustrated because life is going to numerous times tell them no. And they're going to have to learn how to live with that, work through that, process that. So it's important for us as parents to guide them by saying no now. And what do we say no to? Son, daughter, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know what we've got? We're trying to live the purpose of God. We're trying to give you guys a good upbringing, a good education, and good spiritual life. And we want you to know that we love you, but there are some things we can do, some things we can't do. So this time it's no. Love you, but it's no. Come on, what's so hard about that? It's so beneficial to your kids, so beneficial to your family. And then the last thing is eliminate distractions. We all know we have some distractions. There's certain things you stream too much. Come on, let's be honest. There's certain programs you watch too much. You're spending way too much time. You're wasting tons of time. There's certain activities you do way too much. There's certain things that keep grabbing your attention and pulling you off of what's important. There's certain things that are causing you to procrastinate because you're choosing to do things that are distracting you instead of doing things that are important. Come on, it's something we all deal with. Every one of us deal with. I'm pointing at myself right now. So I want to just encourage you, stop, step back, and those things you know that are going to be a distraction to get you off what's the most important, I want to encourage you, eliminate them. 
get them out of the way. Manage them better. Do something to keep them from pulling you off the will and purpose of God for your life. Your family's counting on you. Your spouse is counting on you. Your church is counting on you. But most importantly, your Father in heaven is counting on you. And He loves you. And He wants the best for you. So today, I want to encourage you. Start this year off right. Take some time. Take a step back. And make the best choice. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.